Books are illegal and being caught with one could mean your life. Society is high on the pacifying pleasures fed to them constantly, including catchy jingles from advertisements and family-centered television. In this world, firemen don't stop fires. They cause them, bursting into the homes of arrested offenders and setting their literature ablaze. But one fireman has a secret that turns into a problem sure to burn his existence, including everyone he knows, to ash. The disillusioned firefighter, Guy Montag. The book, Fahrenheit 451. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit. Hey y'all, hey, this is Kari. Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Alexis, how are you doing? I'm tired, but I'm all right. <laughs> I'm here. I'm present and accounted for. Same here, sis. Anything yeah. uh, cool happened this week you want to share with the class? I do. I do. I do. I, You know, I, I made this announcement amongst a few friends that I am now going to step out into the world and live a life like people who live lives. You know, I was listening to past episodes and I give you a lot of grief for staying indoors and being responsible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I don't want you to become a hermit, but I also don't want you to get sick with your respiratory condition already being in stitches. So do you, but you know, I'm looking forward to this next chapter where at least you come over to our house when there are what, two people, two other people? How right, many more what group sizes? <laughs> what group well, sizes are you going to dive into? I just did a group size of, I think it was a total of five people. So that would be two more people at your house. Okay. <laughs> so how did five. you feel? I, I didn't feel bad, but I had my mask on a lot of the time. Yeah. They were like, take your mask off. I was like, no. No, they did not. <laughs> yeah, they didn't like, pressure that don't me. Sound like your they didn't pressure me, but they were like, "Are you sure it's okay if I don't have mine on?" I was like, sure. "It's fine for you, but for me, I'm going to wear a mask." Yeah, except yeah. when I was eating and drinking, and um, I think I played a game with no mask on. I'm I love sure. it. Okay, yeah, we got to get back and be social, but still responsible. So good for you. I love it. <laughs> and then I had the fine pleasure of getting outside and exercising hey Woo-hoo for me i did a 5k <gasps> you did i did i did that's awesome alexis what neighborhood um lincoln park fun i love yeah. running in the street <laughs> so no, we fun. were in the park we stayed all what? in the um in the park yep race okay. through the powder you know it Oh, that of time. course. Yeah, you I did that one. You I know showed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one that's that. fun. Mm-hmm. And Lincoln yeah. Park is so large that it's not like you're running in circles. So that's cool. Yeah. Right by the water. Experience. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was oh, glad I love to it. be out. I mean, it was late, but I was glad to be out. Well, I love it. And speaking of running, let's run on to the theme of the week. 
Now, <laughs> each week, readers, we select a theme to discuss inspired by the book we're reading. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that Alexis loves being put on the oh. spot. And oh. I love doing it to us. So let me go I ahead and put Alexis on the spot with a game I created called Band Censored and Challenged wow. Books. Yeah. <laughs> Banned books. What a setup this was. That's right. These books got to go straight to the airport. Even if they ain't got their luggage, it's better for somebody to send their luggage than for them to be stuck. So what we're going to do, Alexis, um, I am going now. First of all, I want to let you know we've read all of these books on our show. They have been either banned locally on a federal, like governmental level, uh, uh, national level, I should say, or censored or challenged. Oh, so I'm going to give you a quote. You tell me what the book is and then you guess why it was banned or challenged. Let's try an example. We read all the books on your list. That <laughs> yeah, you're trying to we quiz have me been with? reading banned books on this show. Mercy. <laughs> Don't call the popo. So here's the example. Observe the lilies. What book is that from? We didn't read this one on the show. This is just oh. an example. The Bible? The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and I why? know because I'm reading it. <laughs> exactly. We do read this one. And why do you think it was banned? Um, why, well, it's been banned, censored, and challenged. Why do you think that's the case? Um, so maybe they feel like it has some very descriptive scenes in it. I was thinking of one incident in the book of judges. judges. Okay. <laughs> and then the other thing is maybe um, they didn't uh, agree with a lot of the stuff that was said. Okay, well, you are right. And also there's more. So it's been banned for being translated into the language of the common people for fear that they deviate from what they were learning in the church. But the Bible mm. has been banned for centuries by mm -hmm. government officials and clergy alike. Um, it also teaches that God is the highest authority, not any man-made government. And some governments have a problem with that. So that is why it has earned the ire of both the government and the clergy can't be telling people one thing and then they go read the Bible and be like, that ain't even in here. <laughs> right. They might get mad and they did. So as a reminder, these are all books we've read on our show. Okay. I'm going to uh, go through five books with you. Number five, five. This is the quote. The most addictive drug known to America, racism. It causes wealth an inflated sense of self and hallucinations what book is that i can give you another quote too if you like yes one more please <laughs> okay to know the past is to know the present to know the present is to know yourself same like did we read this this season or last season mm, i think it was this season um I want to say cast, but I don't remember the those words in cast. So I'm going to say it's the um, Ibram X um, book. Ding, ding, ding. Stamped. Racism, anti-racism, and you by Ibram X Kendi and Jason Reynolds. And mm -hmm. why do you think that book has been either banned, challenged, or 
censored because they don't want um, the history to be told. Who's they? <laughs> you can be specific. The, this is the, a the government. Oh, well, the school okay. system. So um, partly because parents, parents. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. So you're right. Partly because of claims that the book contains a selective storytelling. So people are saying, yeah, you took this part of history and this part and this part. But those are all the parts that make certain people look bad. <laughs> <laughs> now is that is take now the is parts that? where we did good things okay and then also it does not encompass racism against all people oh, okay <laughs> which yeah. is funny because if you go into the history of racism and what that actually means what in the world is racism against all people? Fun stuff. So um, that racism! is that is why it has been banned, challenged, oh, and okay. censored. Number four, the quote is, if you surrendered. Surrendered. <laughs> Let me look that word up. Let me look it up. Hold on. Here we go. Ooh. If you surrendered to the air, you could ride it. I just took that book back to the library. What is it? It is um, Song of Solomon. Yes! <laughs> y'all, y'all, is applauding me? Because I'm feeling real good about my knowledge right now. <laughs> the second quote was going to be, give me hate, Lord. He whimpered, I'll take hate any day, but don't give me love. I can't take no more love. Um, so that's Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. And why, Alexis, do you think that book was either banned, challenged, or censored? Oh, I can't imagine why that book would have been. Um, I, I don't know what would have happened that would make that banned, challenged, or censored. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I often feel that way about, I feel like the books that we do read in school, we shouldn't be reading. And all the books we should be reading are either banned or just haven't made the list of books mm -hmm. to read. Um, so, for example, a Columbus, Ohio school system banned the book for uh, sexually explicit scenes really? and saying that the language was degrading to black people. Now you go tell me. Wow. Don't talk about racism. But you want to read Uncle Tom's Cabin? Sure. You want to read Huckleberry Finn? Fantastic. But that Toni Morrison book, that's degrading to black people. Well, whatever. Also, um, wow. A Richmond County, Georgia uh, school system removed it from the required reading list and library shelves because they say it was filthy and inappropriate. Um, it's oh. been challenged um, by schools in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, it's been called trash by that school system and by parents. Um, repulsive filth. Yeah, oh. Song of Solomon by Toni oh. Morrison. Wow, I, I feel like that's a stretch. They have to give me specific examples. Stretch Armstrong. Number three. Can you not understand that liberty is worth more than just ribbons? <laughs> I think I think that's my favorite part. <laughs> it's Animal Farm. That's right. A couple more quotes. The only good human being is a dead one. Ooh. 
Man serves the interests of no creature except himself. That's Animal Farm by George Orwell. Why do you think that book has been banned, challenged, and or censored? Um, I'm going to say because of its theme and because it was related to um, oh the the military powers of the time and they didn't like that being talked yeah, about. Yeah, so it seems like an anarchist type of book to some. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, also here in the States, uh, it was thought that Orwell was a communist. I think oh, he yeah. was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can't read his stuff. Also, it contains the phrase masses will revolt. That scares some people. Of course, it was banned from being displayed at the 1977 Moscow Russia International Book Fair. Fair. Um, (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. Banned from the fair. Fair. Uh, Banned Mm -hmm. from Bay County's four middle schools and three high schools in Panama City, Florida. Um, After 44 parents filed a suit against the district claiming that its instructional aids policy denies constitutional rights. Then the book was brought back on. So it was banned. And then the parents were like, why are you banning it? And so they were like, fine, we won't ban it anymore. It's um, material is offensive to some Muslim nations. For example, um, United Arab Arab Emirates, UAE, along with 125 others in 2002, banned it from schools because of its alcoholic drink depictions, pigs and other indecent images. The pigs were drinking at the end. They They had some beers and whatnot, right? Yep, just like the people. Okay, two more. You're doing great. I think you've gotten all of them, girl. Wow. (laughs) I have gotten all of them. Don't think I did. Oh, yeah, you have. Okay, Mm -hmm. here we go. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Ooh. Hmm, that sounds very familiar. Let me know if you need another quote. I'll take another quote. The best books are those that tell you what you already know. Ooh, ooh, I know this one. Uh, Last hint, see the last book. (laughs) See the last book we just uh, talked about. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) then this has to be um, 1984. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. Thanks for the hints. Yay. (laughs) And why do you think 1984 was banned, challenged, or censored? Um, I'm going to say they have um, a romantic relationship that might have been too much for the people. With the old woman of 40 years old. Oh, no. The main character. Oh, yes. The main character. (laughs) And his lust for that woman. Yeah. And actually, I'm trying to think about what the book is about. Uh, Sorry, folks. Just a note, we're reading Fahrenheit 451 (laughs) today. Hilarious. Uh, well, no, you're uh, you're spot on, actually. Yeah. So this book was challenged specifically in the U.S. by a Jackson County, um, Florida district because of its pro-communist undertones and sexual <laughs> nature. OK. Mm-hmm. Okay, OK. Lastly. Oh, no. I'm, oh, it's too much. The last The book. pressure. <laughs> the pressure. You've been Whew. serving it. So I have faith in you. And I like large parties. They're so intimate. At small parties, there isn't any privacy. I know who said that. Okay, I need another clue. So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. I hope she'll be a fool. That's the best thing a girl can be in this world. A beautiful little fool. 
Dang. I remember reading that. Um, did we read that this year or last year? Last year. Can you repeat the second clue, please? So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. That sounds like um, the warmth of other suns, but I don't think that's Good it. Job, Matt. Your Lexus, stop with your comment. I can't take it. I can't. Girl, you is just too much. I don't know. Uh, let's see I don't know other. the answer. So you gonna give me another clue? Because uh, I, I know I, I was for sure you was gonna get it with you. I know because I should know this. I know it. I I just it's coming to me. It's got Daisy in it. Yes. <laughs> His name is Nick Carraway. <laughs> yes, he's also in that book. <laughs> but then the other people. But you know the Daisy name of the Ponte. book I'm talking about. The with the I car don't. accident. I don't. The book with the car accident. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Don't be like that. I know the answer. Take your time. I'm going to edit this out so they don't know you spent two hours looking for the name of this book. <laughs> I know it's Great Gatsby. Oh, that's <laughs> the Great Gatsby. And why do you think The Great Gatsby was banned, censored, or challenged? Wow, that's interesting. Could it be The Affair? <laughs> Could it be the affair? Could it be um, his desire for wealth to try to prove something to somebody? Hmm. Not quite. A um, Baptist college in Charleston, South Carolina, challenged the book because of language and sexual references throughout. So, oh, oh. Tell me about the language. The language, I, I, I don't. I, perhaps it's Daisy's husband's racism, but why would? I yeah, but know. then I think they would, I, they would have specified that, right? Oh, good point. Yeah, well, and that has been a game of banned, censored, and challenged books. <laughs> I'll give it to you next time I see you at a um, house party. (laughs) (laughs) What a setup. Let's move on. You ready for a break? Yeah, let's take one. All right, here we go. Give us some background on our author, Ray Bradbury, and perhaps his inspiration for Fahrenheit 451. Did you know how to spell Fahrenheit before reading this book? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, me too. Go ahead. What was you going to say? <laughs> okay. All right. So Ray Bradbury was um, born in, born August 1920 in Waukegan, Illinois. Waukegan! Stand up. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Y'all got something on. more than Six Flags Great America and Gertie Mills. Remember Gertie Mills? Yeah, it's still a thing. <laughs> People be flying out there. Anyway, his family moved to Hollywood in 1934 when Bradbury was 14. This man never attended college. He graduated high school in 1938 and then spent four years selling evening newspapers on the corner. 
He earned one penny for every three cent newspaper he sold. But this guy was a huge reader. He absorbed wide ranges of classics. He studied himself works of contemporary writers. He was pretty ravenous about his reading. His first pay as a writer was when he sold a joke to George Burns to use on his radio show. (laughs) It's a big deal. He wrote more than 400 short stories and 50 books across genres. He also wrote poems, essays, operas, and screenplays. He even wrote the screenplay for the 1956 film version of Moby Dick. His stories were adapted for The Twilight Zone, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, and Hitchcock Presents, all shows that I've enjoyed in the past. (laughs) His stories became the dreams of astronauts, astronomers, and planetary scientists. Um, Let's see. Fahrenheit 451 was published in 1953 and is considered one of his greatest works in a 1956 video, excuse me, in a 1956 radio interview, Bradbury said that he wrote Fahrenheit 451 because of his concerns at the time about the threat of book burning in the United States. And in later years, he described the book as a commentary on how mass media reduces interest in reading literature. And that's what I'm going to share with uh, you about Ray Bradbury, because I hope to read another one of his books and share different information at that time. So what book are you um, putting on your list for the future? Um, There's so many to sort through. Um, The one that stands out is the I think it's called The Martian Chronicles. Okay. I do have a little bit about him that I stole from Neil Gaiman, who writes the foreword of the, um, or I should say the introduction of the copy that I have. Yeah. He says, I knew Ray Bradbury for the last 30 years of his life. He was funny and gentle and always, even at the end when he was so old, he was blind and wheelchair bound, even then enthusiastic. He goes on to say, this is a book about caring for things. It's a love letter to books, but I think just as much It's a love letter to people and a love letter to the world of Waukegan, Illinois in the 1920s, the world in which Ray Bradbury had grown up. I thought that was really touching. Yeah, that is. All right. Well, thank you for that, Alexis. You're welcome. So um, could you please give us a brief, no spoiler synopsis of Fahrenheit 451? All right. (laughs) Here we go. Guy Montag took great pleasure in his job of starting fires. He's done it for 10 years and life felt good. Or so he thought. One evening, he meets his new neighbor, a teenage girl. Her innocent yet probing questions shake the mask he wears right off his face. Kari, who do you think would read this book? If you're into dystopian novels, um, I think this may be uh, a book you'll enjoy. I also think if you like um, very claustrophobic stories that don't expand into a great vast of a world, but stay pretty localized, Um, that can be very interesting because um, those books tend to describe the world in which they exist in a depth that isn't allowed when you have a very expansive world. So if you like that uh, claustrophobic storytelling, 
I think you'd like this book. Well, one book that comes to mind that's kind of like that is Deacon King Kong, which takes place in just one neighborhood. That can be really fun as that small area is described thoroughly. And what were your first thoughts of Fahrenheit 451, Alexis? Well, I'd heard about the book, um, but I, of course, never read it. It's, so it was added to my to be read list some time ago. And so I was looking forward to diving in. And initially in the first few pages, the the story captured my attention. So there's that. That's always good since you got a whole book. I hate when the first few pages you're like, oh, I got to get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of a few books that I actually really enjoyed, but the first few pages, they were just hard to get into. So yeah. this book caught your attention and held it. Yeah. So that's cool right away. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's now get into what the people came to hear. A deep okay. dive of Fahrenheit 451 full of spoilers by Alexis Anaria. Alexis, take it away. Um, can I say that this book does discuss taking one's life and it does involve a bit of cruelty to animals. Thank you. So a content warning there for our uh, listeners. Yes. So Montag and wait a minute. What is this man's name? Yeah. Guy Montag. Okay. <laughs> Montag. Yeah. Montag. Montag. <laughs> Let's say Montag. We're going to go with that. I'm going to work with that. Okay. Good, because that's his name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Guy Montag is a firefighter. One night he is heading home after a pleasurable evening of starting fires. <laughs> and as he heads home, he kind of gets the sense that somebody is nearby. And as he kind of pays attention and looks around, he notices it's his new neighbor. She's a teenager and she's kind of walking about in the leaves. And this teenager identifies herself as Clarice. She's 17 and insane. Yay. (laughs) But that's what the people call her. Um, So they walk towards their homes together and they uh, walk as they walk along. She tells him she's not afraid of him. He like, um, uh, why would you be? Okay. And Clarice tells him that people are afraid of firefighters. So this is like a new piece of information for him. Clarice asks if Montag Montag has ever read any of the books he's burned. And he tells her, of course not. That's against the law. She's like, oh, yeah, right, right. I get it. Mm -hmm." (laughs) And then uh, Montag is like, yeah, this work I do, it's a fine work. Burning to ashes, then burn the ashes. That's our slogan. Like, he's like really excited about this. She's looking at him like, okay. Mm -hmm. So she decides to ask him another question. Is it true that long ago, firemen put fires out instead of going to start them? He says, no, houses have always been fireproof. Take thought, my word wait, for why it. are houses fireproof? <laughs> <laughs> she said, I heard that fires used to burn by accident and they needed firemen to stop the flames. <laughs> Montag laughs. Clarice. Clarice. Clarice <laughs> says, like, why, why are you laughing? What's so funny? And he said, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> and he laughs again, and then he stops. And she's like, why? He said, she's like, I mean, you laugh, and I haven't said anything funny. So and this, 
answer right off and you never stop to think about what I've asked you. Mm, What were you going to say? This part is so brilliant to me because Mm -hmm. this is that nervous laughter of the mindless. I've given that laughter. I think Um, we all have at some point. (laughs) Yes, when a situation has you so uncomfortable that all your body can do is induce laughter. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're and you're like, wait, why am I laughing? This isn't even funny. Um, yeah, so that's a moment he's having. This girl is asking him things no one has ever asked him or knowing that he can remember. And it's making him uncomfortable physically to the point that this grown man is now laughing and she is not. <laughs> he's like, what's funny? You are right, because I ain't told no joke. Mm-hmm. So then Montag calls her odd. She's, he said, you don't got no respect. She said, yeah, I didn't mean to be insulting you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, you think too much anyway. So shoot. So he didn't try to make a dig at her, you know, because now he uncomfortable. So he put a dig on her. So when they arrive at her house, he notices that she got a bunch of lights on. And he asks, what's going on in there? Because he wasn't used to seeing all these house lights. And she told him, well, it's got my mom and my dad and my uncle. And they like to sit around and talk. And Montag was like, what they be talking about? Mm-hmm. She ignored him. She walks toward her home. And then she comes back and she said, hey, Montag, I got another question for you. Are you happy? <laughs> she didn't wait for an answer. Mm-hmm. And she turned around and walked away. And he's like... What a strange little child. Yeah, she's so strange. Why would she ask me that? And he repeated, happy. Of course I'm happy. That's nonsense. (laughs) Why would you say that? What does she think? I'm not? (laughs) What a strange meeting. That does protest too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's like, she's strange. It's a strange night. Strange things happen. Um, he just but he never remembered a night like that before. He just everything was strange. But as he walks into his home, he's thinking about this meeting with this young girl. And he's like, hmm. And then he looks up. There's this ventilator and a grill in his home. And he remembers that something is hidden behind that grill. So he opens the door to his bedroom And he describes it as coming into a cold marble room of a mausoleum. It's completely dark. The room wasn't empty. He could feel it, but there's loud music playing. And he walks in and he realizes he ain't happy. (laughs) He's not happy. It like hits him Mm -hmm. suddenly. No one's asked him. So he's never reflected in that way. He's like, you know what? No, I'm not. Yep. Mm-hmm. And one th- quote in here that I really like, he says he wore his happiness like a mask and the girl had run off across the lawn with the mask and there was no way of going to knock on the her door and ask for it back. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Isn't it? Very, very good. I love it. So as he enters the room, he finds that his wife is laid out on the bed unconscious He learns that she's taken a bottle of pills. And as he finds um, as he finds this out, he hears jets flying over his house and he calls the emergency room. Two men come and they're like, oh, we just clean her out. They pump her stomach and clean her out. They by cleaning her out, they give her blood transfusion. They get rid of her old blood and give her new blood. They're not Mine. doctors. They're not nurses. They're not healthcare professionals. They're like garbage men. Yeah, he said, um, why did a doctor come? He said, oh, you don't need a doctor. 
I mean, we get eight or nine cases of these a night. That started a few years ago. So we made this special machine. So you don't need a doctor. Just two handymen who can clean it up in a half an hour. It's no problem. We're good. Oh, got Mm -hmm. another call. Got to go. And then they leave. Oh, when your wife wake up, she's going to be very hungry. Okay, bye. And she ain't going to know what happened. No. I mean, like the next day, he talked to his wife. He was like, "Um, you know, last night you took the pills. She was like, um, nope, I would never do that. I'm not in a billion years, but she's hungry. She cooking. She's like, I don't know why I'm so hungry, but I am really hungry. And also, did we have a party last night? Because I <laughs> hope I didn't do nothing bad. Mm-hmm. But she has no recollection of the night before. So over the next set, um, next few days, I'll say Montag learns more about Clarice because she meets him on his um, late night walk home. He learns she doesn't go to school because she's seen as antisocial. She sees a psychiatrist. And when she um, goes, she says she makes up things to say to him. The psychiatrist wants her to know, wants to know why she goes on hikes, like watching birds or collecting butterflies. Why aren't why you did- at home watching the television or, you know, absorbing these ads mm-hmm. that society is constantly feeding you? Why are you out with nature? You're yep. insane. She tells him that she likes to think. Um, of course, Clarice disagrees with this assessment of her. She says the school is not a social event. She's a social person. She likes people. But what's going on at school, as Kari mentioned, they got these um, TV classes where they're just being fed information. They got a little gym, but no one's asking questions. At least most don't. don't. And yeah, they may ask the what, but not the why. They ask the how. Oh, the how. They ask the how, but she, Clarice, asks the ask the why, and they don't like uh, that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved that, too. I love mm-hmm. that phrasing. Mm-hmm. And, and then she describes herself as being afraid of people her own age. Six of her friends have been shot in the last year alone. Come on out the pages of today's newspapers. Stop yeah. it. Ten actually died in car wrecks. Um, but... Kyrie, do you remember her her description? Was she talking about car wrecks that had occurred? What are they doing? Like there is a recklessness. There's a recklessness about people. So kids will just to fill something, go on these wild rides where they like try to run over an animal or they're driving too fast. And honestly, not just the children of the society, but also the adults, just so that they can feel something. They'll go out in the road and drive too fast. That's just one way to clear your mind. And so people are dying. There are consequences. Also, a lot of people are taking their own lives. Also, they constantly are telling themselves that they're happy. Yeah. But yet this is happening. So she's like, I'm scared of kids my age because they like shooting each other or going on these car rides. And and again, they don't think they're not thinkers. Right. So then, like I said, they're just being fed information. They're reactory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after some time of meeting up with Clarice, um, um, you know, again, they're just walking home together. She's a night walker. She kind of walks around at night because she likes to do that stuff mm-hmm. and think, you know, and have some time. And But um, suddenly one evening she's not there and he's like, hmm, that's odd. Now let me tell you about these mechanical hounds, okay? So Montag is a firefighter. 
He works at the firehouse, okay? And the firehouse has these mechanical hounds. They don't sleep. Excuse me. They sleep, but don't sleep. Mm-hmm. On the slow, slow nights at the firehouse, the men would let loose like cats and rats and chickens. and Bethesy, Actual cats, rats, and chickens. Actual yes. animals. Mm-hmm. And bet to see which of the hounds would catch which the hounds would catch first. This game, in quotes, is over in seconds. This hound, this mechanical hound, has an elongated nose, and in it, it injects the pawn, this the cat, rat, or chicken, with massive jolts of morphine and procaine. I'm not sure what procaine is. I didn't look that up. And it then, like numbs it and then kills it. And then they toss the animal into the incinerator. Mm-hmm. And they do that regularly for entertainment. That's their game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's their entertainment. And one evening, um, Montag, he's like slide down the, the pole and then he kind of touches the muzzle of one of the hounds and it growled at him. And of course, it's frightened Montag because these are mechanical hounds. They shouldn't like or dislike anyone. Mm. They function as they were created. So he's talk- programmed to function mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a program to function. And so he has this conversation with his captain, whose name is Beatty. And he's like, look, they follow the trajectory that's decided for them. They don't they can't dislike you. It's not a thing. What are you talking they don't about? Have feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Montag says, well, maybe it's a calculation um, that can be set. Um, and since it's a calculation that can be set in any combination, maybe somebody did something to the calculation. And his captain was like, OK, well, I'll look into that. I don't, that don't sound right. But it, anyway, that don't make sense. Montag says that this is not the first time that the mechanical hound has kind of growled at him. In fact, it happened in a, twice in the last month. And as a reader, I'm sensing his increased paranoia. So I'm not paying that much attention to the uh, mechanical dog either, but to his reaction to it. Mm. Like, you know, has this dog been, quote unquote, talking to the dog that was near my (laughs) house? (laughs) Who's been programming these dogs to come get me? And how and more importantly, why? Right. right. Because I've been talking to this um, 17 and insane little girl. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like I said, the captain said he's going to take care of it. But Montag thought about that ventilator grill at home and what was That's behind what I'm thinking. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, someone knew something and quote unquote told the hound. So that's what Montag is worried about. He would later learn that a man set one of the mechanical hounds to his own chemical complex and then let it loose. So this man took his own life by um, programming the dog to attack yes. him. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about Captain Beatty. This guy is really intelligent. He was once a reader, but he became frustrated with the amount of contradictory information. Um, he felt like, there were so many opinions and facts, and it's just like, this is all dumb. Nonsense. Yeah. yeah. So Montag has questions. So he answers Montag's questions. He's like, there was a time that homes were flammable. 
Yeah. So Montag is talking to this girl and starting to develop some real existential questions in his mind. And Beatty's like, I can answer those for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's true. And that's true, too. And Mm -hmm. so. (laughs) Yeah. And so what? (laughs) Right. It's all dumb. So, yeah. That's why we get rid of them books anyway. And then mm-hmm. he kind of reminds Montag of the rules and the origins of um, Fahrenheit 451, which is the temperature at which paper burns. It was established in 1790 to burn English influenced books in the colonies. First fireman, mm-hmm. Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. Yes. It's a little revisionist history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the rules answer the alarm quickly, start the fire swiftly. Burn everything, report back to the firehouse. So this is awesome because now Fahrenheit 451, the duty of the firefighters has been baked into revisionist history. So now it's part of who you are as an American. And once you wrap it in that, people will readily eat it up because they readily want to be a true American. So the first true American, um, Benjamin Franklin, burned books then it's a great honor to be a book burner. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Okay. Whether or not that ever happened. That's not the point. That is not the point. So let's talk about the woman in the fire. Okay, so one evening at the firehouse. This girl is on fire. (laughs) One evening at the firehouse, they hear over the radio that war may be declared in hours and the country stands ready to defend itself and they're at the firehouse so they just listening in the meantime they get an alarm they arrive at the house of a woman crash her front door down and grab the woman although she's not trying to run nowhere she ain't trying to escape the woman starts singing the song and the captain tells her enough tell us where the books are slap he said mm-hmm. tell us where them books are And the woman says, you know where they are or you wouldn't be here. Enough of that, said Beatty. Where are they? He slapped her face with amazing objectivity and repeated the question. The old woman's eyes came to a focus upon Beatty. You know where they are or you wouldn't be here, she said. Stoneman held out the telephone alarm card with the complaint signed in telephone duplicate on the back. Have reason to suspect attic. Number 11, Elm City, E.B. That would be Mrs. Blake, my neighbor, said the woman, reading the initials. All right, men, let's get them. Next thing, they were up in musty blackness, swinging silver hatchets at doors that were, after all, unlocked, tumbling through like boys all rollick and shout. Hey! A fountain of books sprang down upon Montag as he climbed shuddering up the sheer stairwell. How inconvenient. Always before it had been like snuffing a candle. The police went first, an adhesive taped the victim's mouth and bandaged him off into their glittering beetle cars. So when you arrived, you found an empty house. You weren't hurting anyone. You were hurting only things. And since things really couldn't be hurt, since things felt nothing and things don't scream or whimper, as this woman might begin to scream and cry out, there was nothing to tease your conscience later. You were simply cleaning up, janitorial work essentially, everything to its proper place. Quick with the kerosene, who's got a match? But now, tonight, someone had slipped. 
This woman was spoiling the ritual. The men were making too much noise, laughing, joking, to cover her terrible, accusing silence below. She made the empty rooms roar with accusation and shake down a fine dust of guilt that was sucked in their nostrils as they plunged about. It was neither cricket nor correct. Montag felt an immense irritation. She shouldn't be here, on top of everything. Books bombarded his shoulders, his arms, his upturned face. A book lit almost obediently like a white pigeon in his hands, wings fluttering. In the dim, wavering light, a page hung open and it was like a snowy feather, the words delicately painted thereon. In all the rush and fervor, Montag had only an instant to read a line, but it blazed in his mind for the next minute, as if stamped there with fiery steel. Time has fallen asleep in the afternoon sunshine. He dropped the book. Immediately, another fell into his arms. Montag, up here! Montag's hand closed like a mouth, crushed the book with wild devotion, with an insanity of mindlessness to his chest. The men above were hurrying shovelfuls of magazine into the dusky air. They fell like slaughtered birds, and the woman stood below, like a small girl among the bodies. Montag had done nothing. His hand had done it all. His hand with a brain of its own, with a conscience and a curiosity in each trembling finger, had turned thief. Now, it plunged the book back under his arm, pressed it tight to sweating armpit, rushed out empty with a magician's flourish. Look here, innocent, look. He gazed, shaken, at that white hand. He held it way out as if he were farsighted. He held it close as if he were blind. Montag! He jerked about. Don't stand there, idiot! The books lay like great mounds of fishes left to dry. The men danced and slipped and fell over them. Titles glittered their golden eyes, falling, gone. Kerosene! They pumped the cold fluid from the numeraled 451 tank strapped to their shoulders. They coated each book. They pumped rooms full of it. They hurried downstairs, Montag staggering after them in the kerosene fumes. Come on, woman. The woman knelt among the books, touching the drenched leather and cardboard, reading the gilt titles with her fingers while her eyes accused Montag. You can't ever have my books, she said. You know the law, said Beatty. Where's your common sense? None of these books agree with each other. You've been locked up here for years with a regular Tower of Babel. Snap out of it. The people in those books never lived. Come on now. She shook her head. The whole house is going up, said Beatty. The men walked clumsily to the door. They glanced back at Montag, who stood near the woman. You're not leaving her here, he protested. She won't come. Force her then. Beatty raised his hand in which was concealed the igniter. We're due back at the house. Besides, these fanatics always try suicide. The pattern's familiar. Montag placed his hand on the woman's elbow. You can come with me. No, she said. Thank you anyway. I'm counting to ten, said Beatty. One, two, please, said Montag. Go on, said the woman. Three, four, here, Montag pulled at the woman. The woman replied quietly, I want to stay here. Five, six. You can stop counting, she said. She opened the fingers of one hand slightly and in the palm of the hand was a single slender object. An ordinary kitchen match. 
The sight of it rushed the men out and down away from the house, Captain Beatty keeping his dignity, backed slowly through the front door, his pink face burnt and shiny from a thousand fires and night excitements. God, thought Montag, how true. Always at night the alarm comes, never by day. Is it because fire is prettier by night? More spectacle, a better show. The pink face of Beatty now showed the faintest panic in the door. The woman's hand switched on the single matchstick. The fumes of kerosene bloomed up about her. Montag felt the hidden book pound like a heart against his chest. So this is cool because um, two things. The way it works is the neighbor snitches on the person living next to them. That person is then arrested, removed from the premises, and the firemen come and burn the, really the house to the ground. Mm -hmm. In this case, the woman, someone failed to arrest the woman. So she's there while the firemen are there. And that bothers um, Montag's conscience Mm -hmm. because usually it's not like you're hurting anyone by burning their house down. You're just hurting things, namely books, which are outlawed. And in that neat package, it's like um, a just thing you're doing because you're carrying out the letter of the law. But with this woman here and then with her choosing to burn alive with her books he has to continue asking some uncomfortable questions. And when he goes to his boss, his boss is like, yeah, I know literature and I can quote it beautifully. So what? <laughs> I have to know the terrible thing I'm burning just so I keep my eye focused on the mission. Right. All right. So, yeah, this scene is really packed with a lot of goodies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of information so when Montag walks away from this scene though he's like shooketh shooketh <laughs> and that evening he arrives home and he tells his wife he'd been stashing books in the ventilator grill that's the real truth y'all you know how he <laughs> kept thinking back to that ventilator grill it's because is the ventilator trying to kill me mm. and you like why is the ventilator now it's first it's the ventilator then it's the mechanical dog <laughs> yeah that's because he's also illegally hoarding books yeah and so now he wants to read them he's like i need to see what's in these books because this woman took her life for a book they illegal why would she do that and I'm like, Montag, you've been holding all these books and you ain't read them. <laughs> he just was collecting them. He just them. knew he should save some. He mm. didn't know why, but he just knew he should. Yeah. yeah. So he wants his wife to join him in this readathon, but she wants no parts, no parts of it. So there's a cool scene before this where his boss, Beatty, just happens to stop by. For real, Is after it before seeing, this? I was thinking yeah. it was after that. Okay, no, so it's great. before. Because okay. he, like you said, he shook. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, <coughs> I'm sick. I can't go to work. And she's like, boo, go to work. <laughs> and so when his boss. In this overtime night, go to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the wife is like, go to work. And so when the boss hears that, a guy is supposedly sick, Guy Montag. He comes by. He's like, let me see the sick man if he really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so BD sits in the room and says a lot of weird stuff. He sits mm-hmm. in their house and he's saying things that imply maybe he knows. 
This is all going on while that book he stole from the woman who was burnt alive is under Guy's pillow, Guy Montag's pillow. So he laying in bed pretending to be sick with a whole book under his pillow. (laughs) His wife, while the boss is there, is just walking around the house, touching stuff, picking it up, putting it down, just trying to stay busy. Mm -hmm. And so she comes to his pillow and she's like, let me fluff up your pillow. And Guy's like, if you don't get out of (laughs) here... And she's like, what? What? And she reaches behind the pillow and is like, what is this? And it's a it's a moment where the boss is still talking and Guy can hear nothing but his wife about to reveal his secret. So he tells her, get out the room. Can't you see two men are talking? (laughs) Um, So she's like, oh, fine. And so she leaves and um. Guy is like, hey, uh, Beatty, my boss, uh, what happens if a fireman takes a book home? And Beatty's like, it happens to all of us. You know, we get curious. It's expected. But the fireman has one day to return it. Or we burn his life to the ground. Uh, yeah, essentially. <laughs> and then he goes, bye. <laughs> Hope you feel better. <laughs> so yeah. he leaves. And again, he's like, wife, let's read these books. We got to read. She's like, I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't, yeah. We don't she need look at books like in our rats. life. What is it? What does that even mean? Get this out of here. I'm sick of these books already. And I just met them today. I want them in my <laughs> life. So he's like, I need to talk to somebody. Oh, my God. I need to talk to somebody. So he decides that he's going to look for this man that he met some time ago. And I can't remember the connection with them, but he met him some time ago. He saw a man in the park reading a book. Oh, he was and reading he was a book. Like, oh, hold up. Dems is outlaw. <laughs> and so he goes up to the man and the man hurries up and put the books puts the book away and is like, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and guy is like, um, hi. And they just start talking and he's like, it's like a lull in the conversation and the man is like, so uh, what brings you to my park bench? And guy's like, man, I saw you reading that book. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. I know. Here, here's my information. Um, just in case you ever want to come and arrest me. So the guy understands that Guy Montag is not going to arrest him. Like mm-hmm. something about Guy Montag is uh, he has the potential to be a book lover. So guy's like, hey, I'm a retired English professor. I got to get this book habit in while I can. For some reason, I'm in a park in a public place reading a book. But you know what? It is what it is. Here's my address because I ain't got nothing to hide. And um, guy went home and put that in a pile of cases he might have to open and lives he might have to burn but he never pursued it for some reason. Mm. And now he's understanding why, because he he sympathized with that man. Yeah, so he um, ends up going to this man's house, and the man's like, why are you here? You trying to set me up? <laughs> mm, I'm, not, I'm not touching it. I don't it. know nothing. I don't know nothing about nobody and no who. I'm, I'm not in it. My name is Bennett, okay? So he's convinced him. a man him. from my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually... Um, convinces him that he's not there to arrest him, but that he needs help. He's trying to read these books and he wants to understand what he's reading. And the guy's like, okay, I'm going to help you. And he gives him um, an earpiece that he could stick in his ear and then go away with, because they now have a plan where they are going to set up 
what my tag is. He's going to set up the firemen. He's going to be like placing books in their houses because he's going to try to turn the people against the firemen. That's the plan. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's like trying to recruit favor for this scheme where they go into firemen's houses and plant books and then snitch so that the firemen's homes can be burned and the firemen can be arrested and it's a great plan in their mind but to what end to what end so he has this um head piece and earpiece and he goes back home and when he goes back home when my tag goes back home his wife is like having a party or something like a dinner party a tv party they watch a tv or something one of their tv shows can you describe these shows though so the sitcoms are explained in a way where it was never considered. You just automatically call the people on the show your family. And so in order to see her uncle, her aunt, her family, she turns on basically the television. Ah. And that's her family. She reads scripts to pass the time because that's her life in those pages in the scripts. So the script might not even be for the show that her family is on, but that's a way for her to live outside of her home is through these scripts. So So she sits in this room and the people are like projected on the walls and you can invite people over to watch these shows. And it's like I pictured it like a hologram where there are holograms of just family sitcoms. And it's like watching Family Matters. And you like, oh, that's my brother, Eddie. And that's my sister, Laura. (laughs) And that's my neighbor, Steve Urkel. (laughs) That's, you know, that's weird. um, I'm trying. That's my family. I was trying to process that because I remember in there she said, oh, I got picked to be um, on this show. I got the Mm -hmm. script. And she was like, here's my line. When they ask me, what do you think about that? And she says, yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. And the <laughs> script's twice. incomplete because there, it doesn't have to be complete because the show is about nothing. It's about and all nothing. the shows are about nothing and not in the good Seinfeld way, but in that pacifying way where it just induces pleasure in the viewer and just pacifies them. It's not challenging you to think. Mm-mm. It's just your family. This TV show is your family. So whenever she wants to hear her family or talk to her family, she turns on the TV and it just so happens he comes home and she's got actual living neighbors. Their actual neighbors are at the table with her experiencing the television. And so when he gets there, he is like he listens to them talk. He's like, they talking nonsense. I'm going to show them. So he goes and he gets a book of poetry and a legal book of poetry and makes these women listen to him read. Now, these is not thinking women. And one woman, uh, one of the women, she's got three husbands. who She's had three husbands and they've kind of disappeared. And she's very nonchalant about it. I think two were killed in a war and one took his own life, something like that. And she's like, I'll just marry again. And my husband wants me to marry again. So I don't think much about my family. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like, start talking about something. You're he's watching them talk to each other. He's like, you're not talking about anything. How are your children? And that woman with the dead husband's like, oh, I ain't got kids. Yeah. That, who? What idiot would have kids? And then her neighbor's like, well, 
I got kids. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I got kids. <laughs> and they hate my guts, but at least I got them. So anyway, he literally reads this illegal book in their TV, during their TV time. He, you right. Know, and Faber, the professor that Kari talked about in detail, he hears him doing this and he's in his ear like, stop it. Don't do that. You making a scene. You draw too much so attention. You, Don't so do we didn't that. Say that. We didn't say this, but um, to pass the time since he was retired as a teacher, he like built electronic, uh, the first headset. So he actually built a headset that um, Montag has put in his ear and can always hear Faber's voice. Mm-hmm. So Faber talks to Montag through this wireless headset that (laughs) goes discreetly into your ear, which must have sounded so ridiculous Mm -hmm. when um, Ray wrote the book, but is totally today a thing now. (laughs) That's a cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Wireless headphones. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So he's telling them that. And one of the women, she's so touched by what Montag has read. She starts crying. She gets up and storms out of the house and he don't seem to care whether they go and tell or not but of course these women go and tell on him mm-hmm. then he has a fight with his wife again she's like you got to get rid of all the books I don't want this in my house um, that's that so at some point he then like time to go back to work because he's getting ready to set his plan in motion when he goes back to work He said, oh, I'm glad you're better. His captain says, okay, I'm glad you're better. We got a job to do. Mm -hmm. So they go out on the job and guess where they stop. So wait, set it up. So um, Montag is like, "Uh, uh, I'm not sick no more. (laughs) I'm not sick no more. I can do this job. And in his heart, he's like, how am I going to burn books? I can't do this no more, but I don't want to (laughs) die. So yeah, I'm ready for the next mission. Yeah. So this like alarm goes off at the fire station. They all slide down their poles just like today, run Mm -hmm. off to their trucks. And then... um, He's thinking in his head. He's he's there in the truck, but he's not really there because he's thinking so much. And then his boss says, are you ready? Like Beyonce, are you ready? And he goes, <laughs> Montag is like, hold up. This, this neighborhood look familiar. Yeah. Because this is my house. Yeah. Why we at my house? <laughs> but when they pull up, he see his wife with a suitcase leaving the house. And do you remember what she said? No. Poor family. Poor family. What she's going to she miss did say that. from this fire it's the TV. is the, fa- the TV family. Mm-hmm. Ooh, child. That's a lot, right? Yes. So Captain forces him to burn his home down. To burn his home down. And then he says, you know what? And after you do that, you under arrest. When you're quite finished, said Beatty behind him, you're under arrest. The house fell in red coals and black ash. It bedded itself down in sleepy pink-gray cinders, and a smoke plume blew over it, rising and waving slowly back and forth in the sky. It was 3.30 in the morning. 
The crowd drew back into the houses. The great tents of the circus had slumped into charcoal and rubble, and the show was well over. Montag stood with the flamethrower in his limp hands. Great islands of perspiration drenched his armpits, his face smeared with soot. The other firemen waited behind him. In the darkness, their faces illumined faintly by the smoldering foundation. Montag started to speak twice and then finally managed to put his thoughts together. Was it my wife turned in the alarm? Beatty nodded. But her friends turned in an alarm earlier. That I let ride. One way or the other, you'd have got it. It's pretty silly quoting poetry around free and easy like that. It was the act of a silly snob. Give a man a few lines of verse and he thinks he's the lord of all creation. You think you can walk on water with your books? Well, the world can get by just fine without them. Look where they got you. And slime up to your lip. If I stir the slime with my little finger, you'll drown. Montag could not move. A great earthquake had come with fire and leveled the house, and Mildred was under there somewhere, his entire life under there, and he could not move. The earthquake was still shaking and falling and shivering inside him, and he stood there, his knees half-bent under the great load of tiredness and bewilderment and outrage, letting Beatty hit him without raising a hand. Montag, you idiot! Montag, you fool, why did you really do it? Montag did not hear. He was far away. He was running with his mind. He was gone, leaving this dead, soot-covered body to sway in front of another raving fool. Montag, get out of there, said Faber. Montag listened. Beatty struck him a blow on the head that sent him reeling back. The green bullet in which Faber's voice whispered and cried fell to the sidewalk. Beatty snatched it up, grinning. He held it half in, half out of his ear. Montag heard the distant voice calling, Montag, you all right? Beatty switched the green bullet off and thrust it in his pocket. Well, so there's more here than I thought. I saw you tilt your head listening. First, I thought you had a seashell. But when you turned clever later, I wondered. We'll trace this and drop in on your friend. No, said Montag. He switched the safety catch on the flamethrower. Beatty glanced instantly at Montag's fingers and his eyes widened the faintest bit. Montag saw the surprise there and himself glanced to his hand to see what new thing they had done. Thinking back later, he could never decide whether the hands or Beatty's reaction to the hands gave him the final push toward murder. The last rolling thunder of the avalanche stoned down about his ears, not touching him. Beatty grinned, his most charming grin. Well, that's one way to get an audience. Hold a gun on a man and force him to listen to your speech. Speech away. What'll it be this time? Why don't you belch Shakespeare at me, you fumbling snob? There is no terror, Cassius, in your threats, for I am armed so strong in honesty that they pass by me as an idle wind, which I respect not. How's that? Go ahead now, you secondhand literateur. Pull the trigger. He took one step toward Montag. Montag only said, We never burned. Right. Hand it over, guy, said Beatty with a fixed smile. And then he was a shrieking blaze, a jumping, sprawling, gibbering mannequin. No longer human or known, all writhing flame on the lawn as Montag shot one continuous pulse of liquid fire on him. There was a hiss like a great mouthful of spittle banging a red-hot stove. 
a bubbling and frothing as if salt had been poured over a monstrous black snail to cause a terrible liquefaction and a boiling over of yellow foam. Montag shut his eyes, shouted, shouted, and fought to get his hands to his ears to clamp and to cut away the sound. Beatty flopped over and over and over, and at last twisted in on himself like a charred wax doll and lay silent. But first, the captain gets in a very good line. He's like, that's one way to look, gets people to listen to you when they yes. won't point a gun at them and make them listen, huh? He got all so kind of lines. still ridiculing him. Just nonstop. He's like, you got something to say? Say it. This is your chance. Now that you have the gun, you can say what you want to say. Go and ahead. Now that speak. you have books, right? You've read these books. You should be so enlightened. But you're still you. <laughs> you're still you. Really and you ain't nobody. <laughs> you're really dogging them. Yeah. So he lights them on fire. Yeah, that happens. And then he turn it then he turns it on the colleagues too, right? And he burns them as well. I remember that because I think this is isolated now. It's just him and the boss. Nope, they're still in front of his house and the other colleagues are oh. right there and he kind of turns to them. Let's not say I don't know for sure, but I think he does burn them, but I don't know for sure. I'll say that. But then he got to run for his life because guess what? Remember the He's mechanical hounds? Yeah. They are after him. So he's making a run for it and he's trying to dip and dive to avoid the hounds. But the the hounds have that um, program. They know who to go get. Mm-hmm. So, again, here I get a little bit confused. I done watched a movie or two. <laughs> you watched a movie? <laughs> but you read the book. I read the book. And How twice, long has it fact, been since you read the book? Uh, a month, a month or more. So- so I'm it's so fresh in my mind because okay. I just finished it today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Please so go ahead. To be fair. Well, um, it's it's great because um, everything is connected for the sake of convenience, mm-hmm. just like today. So you have these mechanical, quote unquote, hounds that are in the street. Then you have the people who are constantly watching their screens yes. to see their, quote unquote, families. And then you have audible um, advertisements constantly being fed to people. And there's a chip you can buy where the advertisements say your name. So you're on the bus and it goes, Alexis, listen to the Lit Society podcast. You'll love it. <laughs> Alexis, Alexis. So modern. So all of these connected devices and all the connected technology are now telling the public there is a murderer on the loose Mm -hmm. and you can help us find him because he'll be the only man running outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And it's so dark because they even set up like a countdown. They're like, hey, public. Hey, good citizens. We need your help. Go to your doors and look outside. Yes. One of you is sure to see him. And he's running down a residential street for his life. Yeah. And he can picture in his mind all these programmed humans going to their door, just like their televisions and the advertisements are telling them. And um, the advertisement or the voiceover goes, 10, 9, Eight. Remember, everyone turn your doorknobs at the same time. And just before they get to one, he jumps into the river. Yeah. And this is where he's um, he's hiding because isn't he heading to Faber's house? Because he unconsciously he's like, where would I run to? Oh, my goodness. I'm running to Faber's home. Yeah. So he goes to Faber's home and Faber's like, OK, 
Now they looking for you. You making the spot hot for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Why you come here? <laughs> but then he also kind of says, okay, now's my time to stand up. In the past, I haven't stood up, but I am going to stand up now. I'm going to give you these clothes. This is how you hide from the mechanical dogs. And you could switch out my clothes. And I think something to take the scent off of his clothes, that kind of thing. Yeah, because those mechanical dogs can smell um, uh, Montag. So they like spray down um, uh, Faber's place with like moth spray Mm -hmm. and something else to try to, yeah, disguise the scent. Yeah. And so he he says, I'm going to go this way and catch up. Faber is saying, I'm going to go this way and catch up with some people. And then yeah, I'm going to catch up with a guy who used to print books mm-hmm. before the world turned because maybe he'll be sympathetic to our cause. And then you go this way because I know there are some people along the river that that. um, What did he call them? That they're mm-hmm. protecting literature and you can mm-hmm. find these people. So he has that way. Now, they're on these screens. They're on these screens on their TVs, right? And the, they're supposed to have this big capture. So the authorities are on a manhunt for Guy Montag. And now the citizens are involved. So the authorities need to show themselves to be on top. right? So they have to catch him. So on all these screens, like Alexis said, um, they're showing the manhunt. So these aerial views of um, certain neighborhoods and they're like, we'll catch him. But they've lost track of him because he's covered his tracks really well. And now he's off to see this like rebel group. Um, Once he gets to the rebel group, they're like, or I think maybe it's still with Faber. But anyway, someone is like, watch, watch the screen. Mm -hmm. They're going to catch you. And he's like, they're going to catch me. And the, he's and the guy's like, don't worry about it. It won't even be you. But they have to show themselves catching somebody to appease the public. Right. Also, a war has broken out. It didn't break out. Well, it did. Yep. In the midst of all of this, the war breaks out. The war that and I the mentioned most important early on. thing to them yeah. is catching Guy Montag. <laughs> yes. It's a whole war. A whole and war. And all they want to do is catch Guy Montag for stealing a book. Mm-hmm. So they watch the screen. For they're murder. showing these aerial views. And then you hear the authorities go, there he is. And it's just some man that's out walking. Innocent bystander. <laughs> yep. So they zoom in on him in a way where his face isn't clear in the screen. And they kill him on screen for everyone to see. Innocent and they're like, justice bystander. has been restored. Mm-hmm. Yes. An innocent bystander. Justice has been restored. And everyone sighs collectively like, ah, they caught him. Yay. That's yeah. insane. Oh, not just for stealing a book. He did kill me. He Beatty. murdered somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He murdered somebody. Yeah. So that's pretty much the end. Montag makes it to the people, right? To the rebels. To the yeah. rebels. And while he's with the rebels, a bot. A bomb is dropped on the city. Yeah. A bomb is dropped on the city. That he just fled that from. he just fled from and destroyed. So that's really. Flattens it. Yeah. And so him and the rebels get to come back and clean it up and find books and restart <laughs> the world as, a, um, you know, as book lovers. Yes, book lovers. <laughs> that's it, though. That's it. That's it. And restart the world as book lovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Let's take a quick break. Sounds good. 
would you recommend this book? So um, people say, oh my goodness, do you read 198? Have you read 1984? It's just like today. And we read that book and it was like, okay, people, calm down. No, when I read Fahrenheit 451, I was like, hold on. <laughs> stop. This full stop. This is today right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is insane. You have... um. we're not burning books necessarily, but there's so much misinformation that no one trusts any information. And that's the same. (laughs) That is the same as burning literature. You cannot trust any authority to properly give you information. Some feel so they don't trust any information that's available. And they're just reactionary. Who makes me feel a certain way? Am I pacified by this person? Then I'll follow him to the grave. Yeah. And they're just being fed information. Fed. Mm-hmm. And you get to choose which information you'd like to be fed. Just like now, just like your phone will say, do you want this app to track you so that it feeds you ads that you're interested in? Mm-hmm. Dumb question. No, I want to keep my money. <laughs> also, I don't want the, the apps to track me. For what? <laughs> the average person now is estimated to see between 6,000 and 10,000 ads. Guess how often, Alexis? Oh, my goodness. Is it per um, hour? Day. Day. Every day you are seeing six to 10,000 ads on average. That is insane. That is six to 10,000 sources doing all that they can to grab your attention and maneuver your thinking Mm -hmm. for profit. That is the same world that's described here. And it's a reality. Also, um, we didn't talk about Clarice because she eventually dies with her whole family or they go missing and it's assumed that they're dead. But I thought um, her in the beginning was a beautiful addition because children have this ability to wake an awareness in us. They question everything Mm -hmm. and that can make us stop and like question ourselves. Mm -hmm. They don't just ask how they ask why, why this, why that? And that's great because as an adult, there comes a time when you stop asking why. You just do it. You got bills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. It's probably around college. Mm -hmm. So you ain't got time to be asking why. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a scene where we talked about how the sitcom family, they've adopted in in their hearts as their own family. Well, Guy Montag asked his wife, do those people on TV love you? And that made me think about social media because um, people adopt um, the there are people on social media that I followed for years. And when bad things happen to them, mm-hmm. I feel sad. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm connected to them right. in a way that is probably unhealthy. And do they love me? No, because they don't they know don't. me. <laughs> knock, knock. They don't know you. They don't know you. <laughs> And not to say that you can't have um, you can't be empathetic towards strangers, but they are indeed strangers. Right. First and um, foremost. So there are great themes in this book and it's such a short book. Mm-hmm. So economical and so intelligent in the writing. Um, so I would absolutely recommend it. There are some parts of 1984 that might not be suitable for all ages. Mm-hmm. This book doesn't have those parts. I feel like um it in a very innocent way tells a very uh, sobering story. 
So I would absolutely recommend it. Thank you so much for putting this on my list. I I knew very I didn't even know about the firefighters. <laughs> I know nothing about this story. I'm sure I've written a report on it in school, but that was from Sparknotes. So um, thank you, Alexis. And what about you? So I would wholeheartedly recommend this book. What about you? I, I would absolutely recommend this book. I have a tendency to listen to a book first um, or get it from the library before um, I make a decision about it. And if once I make a decision about it, I purchase it. And this is a book that I purchased because it was just, it was so powerful in its storytelling Um there were just so many gems, the quotes that Beatty had, the 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 quote about the mask, having that mask off your face. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, it, there was just so much, so many little gems, if you will, in this book that I valued. And I, I can't wait to like read it because I got the 60th anniversary edition and it's yeah, got extra too. information in it. And so yeah. I want to dig into that. And um, yeah, just get closer to the book because there's so much in it. It's, it's got so much, um, so many angles that you can kind of talk about. Um, so when I was thinking about the banned books that we were talking about early, when you ban a book, you're you're withholding from people the ability to think for themselves. That's how I feel about that. And so mm-hmm. I have this book. But I can make a decision about it. I can read mm-hmm. it and decide um, one way or another. You take about away it. the dis- the the ability to decide. Yeah, yeah. I don't get that if you just if you won't let me read the book at all. And I rather and be to able ban to- books, mm-hmm. but give carte blanche to advertisements. I'm in advertising. Oh. It's a disgusting field. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, there is no ethics in advertising and you know you can try to be as ethical as possible but if Facebook promises to sell you uh, all the information you could ever want on someone that's gonna help you build a better ad Mm -hmm. so you will buy that information (laughs) and that's that's the world we live in and it's it's um gross it's so gross well I also like how it's not blind in its love of books there is a part where it's talking about you can have access to books you can read all the books in the world but if you don't think it doesn't change you exactly exactly you know um so yeah, great pick, Alexis. Yeah, so it definitely Fantastic pick. recommend it. It's a great book to read, and it is one of those easy readers, quick and easy read. I mean, it's oh, thought-provoking. It's very thought-provoking. So when will you read it again, do you think? Definitely before the end of the year. Oh, cool. Okay, so when we're on break, when the season ends? Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. I love that. Because I want to okay, well, get into the... um that intro that you um, investigated. Yeah, it's really short and it is in your copy um, the, the intro by um, Neil Gaiman. So yeah. yeah, you'll enjoy it. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Alexis. That has been Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> what are we reading next week? Next week, we read the final revival of Opal and Nev. Yes. So stay tuned for that. It was a uh, recent release. So I probably won't spoil the ending, but we are going to have some fun. Thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next 
Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love you too. We love you too. If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit litsocietypod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. Also visit Lit Society Pod shop to shop our merchandise, including our hand-crafted, hand-poured candles that are uh, inspired by the books we read. And until next time, readers, read, read something. something.